If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. gave us a lot of things. Fluorescent colors, leg warmers, acid wash jeans, even ELF. But there are several 1980s inventions that you may not realize are from the decade. And the 80s were a great time of technological advancements. And we're going to look at 10 of those here today. Some of these things you may associate as being invented much earlier or much later. But these game-changing creations all came from the greatest decade, the 80s. This will be a look back on some of those top inventions, whether they are big or small. Let's do this in no particular order, but we'll still count them down because we all love a good list. And before we start, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are a part of Patreon.com, I just released a new movie review over there at the Everything 80s Movie Club, and we did 1987's The Lost Boys, and some amazing stuff looking at... Uh, what the original ending of the movie was going to be, the first potential sequel, a lot, a lot of behind-the-scenes info and stuff like that. So if you haven't already checked your feed, have a look for that. But it's uh, patreon.com slash 80s80s. I'll talk more about that at the end. Okay, let's get right to it. The first is the artificial heart. This feels like something that has been around a lot longer, but the artificial heart can trace its roots back to December 2nd, 1982. The idea with the artificial heart was that it would just be a temporary fix while people waited for a real heart transplant. The first person to receive an artificial heart was Barney Clark from Seattle. Clark was a dentist who actually volunteered to try out this new experimental surgery and organ basically. The artificial heart was created by a man named Dr. Robert Jarvik, who created it at the University of Utah. Even though he created it, Jarvik was not the man to perform the surgery. That honor went to Dr. William DeVries. The artificial heart was called the Jarvik 7, which would also have been a great band name. The first surgery was a success, and the Jarvik 7 would now be used far and wide as the temporary placeholder for those waiting for a real heart. Let's look at number two. 
gentlemen, rock and roll. This is it. Welcome to MTV Music Television, the world's first 24-hour stereo video music channel. Just moments ago. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. These were the words that started off the very first broadcast of MTV and the future of pop culture would be changed forever. MTV debuted on August 1st, 1981. And the very first music video played was Video Killed the Radio, radio Star by The Buggles. Music and pop culture were now changed forever. For the first time, bands and artists really had to think about the way they presented themselves visually. Before MTV, you just had to worry about tours and album sales, merchandise, but now there was this whole new visual medium. This was tough for some artists, as some were not exactly visually appealing. But what this new format did work for were British artists. Artists in the UK had been presenting themselves on video for years, thanks to shows like Top of the Pops. They knew the importance of appearance and production values and all of these things to display their music. The bands and artists of the 80s from the UK grew up watching shows like Top of the Pops, so when MTV launched, they were ready. Bands like Duran Duran, Culture Club, Spando Ballet were off and running when MTV launched, but everyone else would soon catch up. The new video jockeys, or VJs, became celebrities in their own rights, and MTV would be required viewing for anyone who was young or claimed to be young. And I've done a whole episode about the amazing history of MTV, if you want to go back into the earlier episodes to check that out. Next on the list, Chicken McNuggets. The Loch Ness Monster. The Eight Musketeers? No. The McDonald's Chicken McNuggets Happy Meal with regular fries and soft drink. Oh, how do you know? Just a lucky guess. This is one that you may have thought came from much earlier, like the late 60s or early 70s, but Chicken McNuggets are a 1980s creation. They also have an interesting story as they went on to become one of the most famous fast food items of all time. The idea actually came about from a McDonald's food supplier. This supplier was the man behind the frozen burgers they used, and he thought they needed some sort of chicken, but one without bones and was small enough to be only a bite or two. McDonald's actually wanted to make a decent food item, and they turned to a world-renowned chef named René Arand, and he was the one tasked to design them. Arand had cooked for celebrities and royalties, but said Chicken McNuggets were his greatest creation as they would be around long after he was gone. He designed them with a tempura batter and also spent time creating hundreds of sauces before landing on the main three, hot mustard, barbecue, and sweet and sour. Chicken McNuggets started with a trial launch in 1981 before being launched nationwide in 1983. And, fact of the podcast, did you know they are actually in four different shapes? It's hard to tell, but the McNuggets are shaped as a bell, a bow, a boot, and a ball. So the next time you get Chicken McNuggets, have a look for this. The idea behind this is that they would be able to cook evenly in those shapes and it would lend themselves well to dipping. And I've done a whole podcast all about the history, surprisingly interesting history of Chicken McNuggets. You can go back and check that out. 
The next invention from the 80s, DNA fingerprinting. This is another invention that you might have thought was created earlier. DNA fingerprinting came about in 1984 by a geneticist at the University of Leicester in England. Dr. Alec Jeffries had been studying hereditary family diseases when he discovered that there were repetitive patterns of DNA in humans. He continued to further research this and found that there were variations between a person's DNA. Unless the person had an identical twin, the variations in human DNA could be used to identify a specific individual. Jeffries called this new discovery genetic fingerprinting, and it didn't take long to put this new creation into action. Not long after Jeffries created genetic fingerprinting, two murders took place right near the university. David had read in the local paper about research being done at the University of Leicester. Professor Alec Jeffries had attached DNA from cells to photographic film. The result, each person's individual DNA could be read. David Baker contacted Professor Jeffries to get Buckland's DNA tested. Nobody had ever attempted a crime scene DNA analysis, a real-life crime scene DNA analysis before. Would the test find the killer? Would Buckland's DNA match that found at the crime scene? At this point in the investigation, there were actually two suspects. And for the first time ever, genetic fingerprinting was able to exonerate one suspect and identify the real murderer. Number five, the disposable camera. Depending on how old you are, you might have to ask your parents what a disposable camera was. I'm not sure if even younger kids today have even used a regular digital camera, but trust me, for a kid in the 80s, a disposable camera was pretty mind-blowing. The digital camera has now been around longer than we realized, and it quickly led to the demise of the disposable camera. But the concept of a one-time camera was a pretty great invention. These were the days where there was a lot of anxiety with taking pictures. You had no idea what your shot looked like, and the anticipation only built as you waited to get back your pictures from the developer. Young people, you just you do not understand what we went through here. The disposable camera came out later than you may realize. It was 1987. Photography leader Kodak introduced a 24-shot disposable camera called the Fling which was also my nickname in high school. No one realized that there was a huge market for this and Kodak paved the way. Then many other companies jumped on board. This is similar to how Kodak actually invented the digital camera, which ultimately led to their downfall. The Fling cost $6.95 when it was first released and converted for today, it's around $16. Not too bad, honestly. If something like that was first released now, I could see it selling for a lot more. The incredible success of the disposable camera caused their sales to rise from 3 million in 1988 to 21.5 million in 1992. Okay, before we move on to number six, let's take a quick break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Number 6, The Nintendo Game Boy. They said it wasn't humanly possible. All the power and excitement of Nintendo right in the palm of your hand. Introducing Game Boy. It's portable, it's in stereo, and its games are interchangeable. Game Boy comes complete with batteries and the outrageous new game, Tetris. And for head-to-head competition, use Video Link and blow your opponent away. Game Boy, only from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power, portable power. Many think of the Game Boy as a 90s creation, but it makes a cut coming in during 1989. It's hard to distinguish if the Game Boy is a toy or a video game, but ultimately it's probably a bit of both. We had portable video games before, and I've done big shows about this, especially the Nintendo Game & Watch, which was really one of the most important inventions in the history of video games, if you want to go back and check that out. But the Game Boy was like taking your NES everywhere you went. The NES had changed the landscape of video games forever, and they struck while the iron was hot in 1989. Even though it was black and white, kids didn't seem to mind. The big feature that came with it was the familiar Nintendo control pad built right into the Game Boy. The big thing that helped launch the Game Boy into the stratosphere was the inclusion of the incredibly successful Tetris. This drove the early success of the new handheld console. The Game Boy first came out in Japan in April of 1989 before being released in North America in July of that same year. The Game Boy would sell 40,000 units in its first day and it was often running to being the hottest selling toy of Christmas and that year. Number seven, the personal computer. Personal computing was starting to emerge in the 1970s, but they really didn't enter our homes until the 80s. The big reason for this was they started to shrink in size, and you didn't need an entire room of your house devoted to holding it. They also had some more computing power and were starting to relatively come down in price. Computers were still for hobbyists, but people were starting to see their everyday applications not to mention the video games that were now available on them. IBM really helped pave the way for the personal computer in 1981. The IBM 5150 PC had an Intel 8088 processor and ran version 1.0 of the PC-DOS operating system. This really was the basis for what future PCs would become. When it was released, the 5150 sold for $1,565, which converted for today is around $4,400. This is a huge topic to cover in a short section, but everything would change in 1984. This is when Apple would release the Macintosh and really took the personal computer to the next level. They would usher in this whole new era with one of the most iconic commercials of all time, and I've done a whole episode about that iconic Apple Super Bowl commercial. Number eight, the Walkman. 
Take a cassette out of its case, and most people just see an empty box. But Sony saw something quite different. Sony introduces the only cassette player as small as a cassette case. The incredible sounding Super Walkman. It's hard to emphasize what a big invention the Walkman was. For the first time, people were now able to take their music on the go, and the listening experience became much more personal. There had been portable transistor radios, but you were limited to whatever it was the stations were playing. With the Walkman, you now had complete control over what you listened to, and your music collection went everywhere you did. This would pave the way for the Discman and then the MP3 players of the future, including the iPod and then the iPhone. But it all started with the Walkman. It came about because the president of Sony wanted to be able to listen to his music while traveling. He only had a a big TCD5 cassette recorder to take with him, and that wasn't cutting it. He requested that a smaller device be created that was primarily used for playback. The first version they came up with was called the Pressman. It wasn't great, but it put in motion what would become the first Walkman. It wasn't called the Walkman, though, just yet. It was classified as the TPS-L2. In June of 1980, the TPSL2 was going to be launched in America, but it needed a new name. They went back to that original pressman, but swapped in the verb walk as a way to describe what it was for. An effective marketing campaign touted the new device for its individual benefits, and when it was launched, Sony hoped to sell 5,000 units a month. They sold 50,000 in its first two months. Number nine, the Motorola Dynatac 8000X. You would know this better as the first true commercial mobile phone. When we think of the 1980s, we picture those giant Zach Morris or Gordon Gecko cell phones that look like they needed a car battery to power them. The Motorola Dynatac 8000X is the poster child for the earliest mobile phones. It was a giant brick and became the most famous of the early handsets. When it came out in 1983, the 8000X cost an eye-watering $4,000. Converted for today, that's over ten grand. It seemed like a gimmick and only for the rich, but the Dynatac was really mind-blowing. You could actually make and receive calls in public without being attached to anything. It would be a long time until mobile phones became a standard item in the lives of many, but the 8000X was the godfather to all of them. And last but not least, the Space Shuttle. If the Space Shuttle was released today, it would still seem groundbreaking and like something from the future. A plane that you could fly in space was something from science fiction, but it happened in the 80s. The space shuttle doesn't just go back to the 80s, but the early 80s. The fact that this is a creation with roots in the 70s makes it even more astounding. The first space shuttle launched on April 12, 1981, when the Columbia made its maiden voyage. The amazing thing with the space shuttle was not only could it be used in space, it could fly back, land, and be used again. One of my favorite toys I ever had was a little space shuttle, and the entire concept of this thing blew my mind. But the space shuttle was more than a space plane. This was a functioning laboratory that would be used while in orbit. Astronauts, scientists, and researchers could now conduct experiments while orbiting the Earth. 
The space shuttle was also important per, for providing maintenance in space and transporting important payloads. So that is 10 inventions that you may or may not have known came from the 1980s. Hopefully you learned something here today. Maybe you knew all of these, maybe you knew some of them, but hopefully you've gained some new information shared around as you will. So that's it for me. I'll finish here and just wanted to touch on patreon.com. If you're in a position to support the show, Patreon is a platform for as little as like a few bucks a month. You are able to support small independent podcasts like this, but you get audio rewards for doing so. So like I mentioned, mentioned earlier, uh, there's the Everything 80s Movie Club. That's at the Boba Fett level. So that gives you access to the good, the bad, and the ugly of 1980s movies where I review. And like I said, we just did The Lost Boys and amazing to look back on this one. So you can get more information if you want to learn all about it by going to patreon.com slash 80s. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash 80s or wherever you're listening to this on in the show notes and details, you'll see a link that'll take you right there. Okay. That's it for me. Thank you for listening. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.